Hello and welcome to the Roger Cordova podcast. My name is Charles Lego and I'm your host. The Roger Cordova Police Activities League, or PAL for short, is an organization run through and by the Roger Cordova Police Department that builds relationships between the RCPD and youth through a variety of programs at no cost to the kids. Each year, the program serves more than 3,500 youth right here in our community in Rancho Cordova. The motto of the Rancho Cordova Police Activities League is every kid needs a pal. And this program here in Rancho Cordova shows how true that is. On this week's show, we speak to Lieutenant Rich Meredith and Deputy Jose de la Cruz of the Rancho Cordova Police Department. Jose, have you come across a kid that was a bad kid, you get hold of him, and now he's a good kid and has gone on to be a good person? I, I, I think um, it's so, uh, it's kind of a difficult question for me is, uh, but uh, yeah, I have had kids who were um, less agreeable to what we were doing, um, but would just hang around. Uh, and then uh, the good thing about our program and the offerings that we have is like, we know not every kid is going to go to a four-year university. We know every kid may not go to a junior college. Uh, they may be, you know, more versed to just like employment and getting, but yeah, I've had had one um, in particular where, you know, I wasn't, uh, I think he was waiting for me to give up on him, you know, like tell him to, you know, shove off. And I'm like, nope, you keep on coming back. Who along with Tina Almada and Deputy Jason Kimbrell are instrumental in making Powell a success in our city and do a fantastic job in providing a diverse range of activities for our youth and at no cost to the kids. If you've ever wondered what Powell is or what they do, you're about to find out. I hope you enjoy the show. So let's start off with you guys describing to our listeners what the Police Activities League is and what is the overall mission of PAL and whoever wants to go first. Well, the Police Activities League is a nonprofit organization uh, led by our Youth Services Unit. Uh, what we do is to provide free uh, programs to the underserved youth in our community. Uh, we've been in existence since 2009. And so what we do is just uh, attempt to build positive relationships between the kids and law enforcement. And that's our, our primary mission. So before we get into all things PAL, Police Activities League, perhaps we could start off with you guys introducing yourself to our listeners and tell us how you're involved with Rancho Cordova PAL. And perhaps we could start with you, uh, Officer De La Cruz. Uh, well, I have been with the Sheriff's Department uh, for 21 years, and I've been working for Rancho Cordova Police Department for 16 years. Um, maybe several years ago, one chief uh, asked if I would take over the Police Activities League. Um, and coming from an athletic background, having played baseball in college, that was kind of my thing. Uh, and so I kind of just embarked on this journey and I really had a passion for right. mentoring kids. So um, that's basically how kind of I started in, in PAL and I've been the director of our Police Activities League since then. Great. And Lieutenant Meredith. Yeah, so I've been with the Sheriff's Office for a little over 20 years now and have been over at the Rancho Cordova Police Department on and off for five years. 
and I got involved in Police Activities League um, almost by accident, to be honest with you. I became the admin sergeant over there, and with that position, I also became the executive director of PAL. Um, so, like many things in my career, uh, some of the best things that happened to me happened by accident, and that was certainly one of them. So, when uh, Chief Chris Pittman retired, uh, I think two and a half years ago now, uh, he and Jose asked me if I would like to take over as the president, and of course I was honored to do that. So, uh, this has been a new experience for me, being involved in uh, youth-related activities like this, but it's been a great one, and I'm uh, very proud to be serving in that position right. now. So on this podcast, we have a tradition. We always like to get to know our guests right <laughs> off the top. So perhaps you guys can tell us a little bit about your early lives and how you got involved in law enforcement. And Lieutenant Meredith, we'll start with you. Sure. Um, so that started very young for me. Uh, my father was in law enforcement, so I knew from a very young age that I wanted to be a cop and specifically that I wanted to work for the sheriff's And where did you grow up? I grew up in Sacramento, specifically oh, North Highlands, uh, until I was about 12 years old. And then we moved up to the Placerville area. Okay. Uh, where I, you know, grew into adulthood. And then um, I started very young. I started with a different agency for a couple years. I worked there for about two years, uh, starting when I was 19. So I started uh, just almost right after high school. To and be where did you start? You. I worked for the El Dorado County Sheriff's okay. Office for a couple years. And your dad was with who? <clears throat> My dad was actually here in Sacramento. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I came down uh, just over 20 years ago to the Sacramento Sheriff's Office and have been here ever since. But yeah, it was something that I always knew that I wanted to do. So I guess I was lucky in that sense as I never I never had to guess on what right. my profession was going to be. And we interviewed the chief uh, a few weeks ago and he tells me or he told me that to be in Rancho, you apply to be um, assigned to Rancho. So you apply to... That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, I came over actually as a supervisor uh, when I promoted to sergeant into our East Division, which is also housed in the same building as the police department. Uh, and then I applied to move over to Rancho and was selected. So I worked as a patrol supervisor for a little over a year. And then I was selected uh, by the chief to move into the administrative sergeant position. Okay. Yeah. Jose? I grew up in South Sacramento. So. So born and raised Sacramento here. Guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Born and raised here. Uh, my parents still live in South Sacramento. Uh, I come from. My dad was actually a fireman for 25 years, so that was uh, my calling originally. Um, but as things kind of happen, uh, my brother is actually uh, a fireman. He's been with the department for uh, 18 years, and so I started working in probation. Uh, and then as I kind of Went along in my career in probation, I started working more with uh, sheriffs, with deputies uh, in the field, and so they kind of said, "Hey, they why don't you? Yeah, yeah, why don't you yeah. come work for us?" Right. Uh, and um, so I said, "Well, let me uh, try it." So I really didn't have any like uh, intention of being, you know, in law enforcement. Um, it was more fire, and then right. uh, just um, here we are, you well, know, good. 21 years, and stayed a little bit in the jail, and then. Um, then applied to come to Rancho. Because uh, in the sheriff's jail. office, you start in the jails, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, now we're familiar with both of you. Let's go back to PAL. So let's talk about how the organization started. So I have read that California PAL in particular started in 1971 by two police officers, Lieutenant Charlie Ellis with San Francisco PD and Officer Jim Guido 
with San Jose. And back then, there were only five police departments in California that provided services, San Francisco, Vallejo, Richmond, Oakland, and San Jose. So can either one of you speak on the history of PAL, if you know how it started? or I, I mean, PAL in general has a storied tradition from the early 1900s. Uh, it was more of a primary force on the East Coast and then kind of made its way out here. Um, so the previous agencies that you mentioned were kind of like the uh, definitely the base, right. um, the uh, starters. And then as California PAL kind of developed and more agencies um, came to create their own programs, then California PAL in general expanded to like a, a mother chapter, right. which houses. Um, so PAL is nationwide, right? It's across the country. By yeah, state? So there's a national chapter, yeah. and then it, uh, each state has its own chapter. Right. So we have National PAL, right. which is the parent organization over everyone. And then here in California, we have CalPAL. Uh, and we have a very close relationship with CalPAL. Um, Jose has known Jennifer, who's uh, right. the CEO or executive, president, right, executive yeah. for years. But um, and, we st and we have a fairly close relationship with Richmond PAL, too. They have a very large facility down there. They do? Yes. And they've... Um, when we were exploring opening our youth center, we knew that was happen. We they were one of the facilities that we went toward to kind of see see how they do it because they've been doing it for a long time. So each chapter is run individually and independently and reports back to Cal Pal, or is it just completely each one is like a business on their own? Well, I think each one is um, runs independently, and then you are. Um kind of are a member right. of, of, of CalPAL. Cal, yeah, and yeah. so, and then California PAL kind of provides, like, services for um, all of the uh, members, like insurance and activities and training uh, and mentoring big conferences for the kids. And so, uh, but each agency uh, who has a uh, police activities league, they do run their own shop, like, independently. Right. Yeah. So let's move on to the chapter here. Do you call them chapters? Or yeah, it's kind of, I guess the official I guess yeah. the official title yeah so, people don't typically refer to them as no, that but I think in in context that's probably yeah. the best and there's also uh, inside of the police activities there's also sheriff's activities leagues that are members of the police activities right. league and then also um, I'm trying to remember what the other group that they like a community some of them are called community activities right. Sacramento leagues. I think has. Sacra um, community, yeah, it's not PAL. Yeah, I, they I, have um, different, and it all depends on like, because some um, chapters are, are run by civilian staff. Right. With just assistance from the police department, right. not actually officers right. uh, who run it. So, right. um, so moving to the chapter here in Rancho Cordova, when did this, when did it start and how did it start? Um, so it started in... Um, the process started in 2008. 2008? Uh, yeah, yeah, one of our uh, deputies um, may have been familiar with um, a police activities league growing up and decided, you know, or, or thought that, you know, Rancho could benefit from that type of program uh, and started the process, you know, paperwork becoming its own nonprofit. And then in 2009, uh, program actually uh, started and our first. Uh, program was Junior Giants, uh, so a free baseball league for kids, and so that is still one of our uh, strongest and oldest right. programs. Right. 
So here in Rancho, how many people um, run run the group, and what would their responsibilities be? Yeah, so we have um, a variety of staff members that help us complete our mission. We currently have three full-time employees. Uh, that that is their sole uh, job assignment is the police activities league. And just to give a little background, how we're structured at the police department. Um, several years ago, Chief Pittman, um, Powell's been around since 2009. Uh, Chief Pittman started our youth services unit. So inside of that unit is our police activities league, and then also our school resource officers. Um, so we all kind of fall under that umbrella of youth services. But Powell specifically has the three full-time employees. Uh, we also have the admin sergeant there that serves as the executive director and also the direct supervisor for the employees that are assigned there. Um, we have two school resource officers who aren't specifically assigned to Powell, but they kind of act as backup. So they're at a lot of our act, um, activities that we do, uh, they will be there. And then, of course, we have a board as well, right? So we have a president, a vice president, a secretary, and then I believe eight board members right now. Um, okay, so it's a very structured Yeah, it's very structured. You know, yeah. we have quarterly meetings. Right. Uh, there's a budget in place. Um, you know, we have – and our, our team has weekly meetings, of course. Uh, so we're – yeah, we're structured. We're, we've grown a lot, I think, in the last – just in the last couple of years with the amount of – programs that we provide right. and with that you know comes more and more structure as we continue to grow and move into the youth center here in just a couple of weeks so i know you may have answered this but do officers who work with pal exclusively work with pal or do they have other responsibilities within the police department and are they generally sro school resource officers or can any officer apply to work on pal so any officer can apply, but we do have um, two police officers that are specifically assigned just to PAL. That is their primary job duty. Jose is one of them, and then our other officer is Jason Kimbrell, and that is their sole duty is PAL activities. Okay. And then we also have a non-sworn staff member uh, who's a sheriff's records officer who's right. Tina, I right. believe that you know, Tina yeah. Aldama. So those are our three permanent staff members that are that is their sole purpose in life is to be pal, pal and run pal activities and i'll be honest with you that's um they have their hands full with yeah. the amount of programming that we're running right now um so we supplement with school resource officers school resource officers are um assigned to our youth services unit right but they specifically serve the schools um but of course a lot of our programming happens on weekends and holidays so they're there for those um and the after hours programming that we have too so, Jose, what other officers, what do they think? You say you're running PAL. What do they think? I think like the – you have a cushy little <clears throat> job or – Well, I think it runs the, the gamut. I think from the outside, um, some officers may uh, kind of have that perception. Right. Um, that it's, like, not work. It's more just the community. Right. Yeah, right. and then PR. Right. Um, and then once kind of like they see the actual, like, right. behind the scenes, the right. business side, you know, what it takes. Because as a nonprofit – um, you know, we do have to go out right. and fundraise and we right. do, we're in the community. Not only are we exclusive just to, uh, the youth in our community, but we help a lot of community based organizations. So our reach goes far beyond just the, the police department. And so, um, yeah, oftentimes when you sit down and tell them like, this is actually like what we do. Um, and you know, what you see is just that little snippet, right? right. Is uh, the culmination right. of a month's worth right. of work, you know, for that particular event. So, And we'll get into the fundraising mm -hmm. and how you finance it. Mm -hmm. How many kids 
do you guys serve? Yeah, so, uh, you know, at our height, pre-COVID, we were, um, we, pro- over 3,000 kids attend in or enlist, yeah, in our program. Wow, so, okay. Yeah, so we have our main programs that we run that are constants, um, you know, our basketball, the baseball, and then we had, like, swimming, you know, before that, um, and so... And then all the extra uh, curricular activities that we provide, the one-time events, um, like Kids Day in the Park. And so we have just the influx of kids that come in for those events. And then we have other programs that are more sustainable, like Outdoor Adventure. Where those 3,000, that's a lot of kids. What age groups are they? Uh, so we serve, depending on our program, um, from 6 to 17. Okay. And what is the ratio male versus female, or is it mixed? Uh, it's definitely mixed. Mixed? Yes. Uh, Rancho PD, of course, is part of the Sacramento County Sheriff's Office. Are there other PAL chapters within the Sheriff's Department, Sacramento Sheriff's Department? Yeah, so the Sheriff's Department itself runs a similar program, the Sheriff's Activities League. Uh, and they're, uh, they have quite a few deputies assigned to that. I believe they have, uh, my last understanding was, I think, eight to 10 full-time deputies wow. as well as a really? full-time supervisor. Yeah, so they're... But that's for the whole county. Yeah, they service a lot of people, right? You know, so there's a little over 600,000 people that live in unincorporated Sacramento County. That's their primary target audience, um, you know, compared to here in Rancho, where I believe we're almost up to 80,000 residents, right? right? So uh, in comparison, right. uh, but I think even they're, you know, even with eight to 10 people assigned, and I think that's when they're fully staffed, uh, which is a, a challenge in law enforcement in general right now. Um that they have a they are stretched thin they certainly have a lot of great programs and i think they're uh stretched to their capacity probably just like we are and where do they run that from like a particular police station or so the sheriff's office has uh multiple stations because we're all we're all over the place um but they run their programming uh their headquarters is out of our sheriff's headquarters which is over on orange grove avenue okay and what kind of support does the sheriff's office provide Rancho, if any, or are, are you completely self-sufficient here? Well, I think we are, um, because we are service the city of Rancho Cordova right. only, <clears throat> so most of our, uh, all of our programming is conducted here in the city, and so um, most of our support comes from, right. from the, Just the city. The city yes. Yeah. And does the sheriff's office consider PAL an important department or an important organization, do you think? Oh, absolutely. I think that in general, the sheriff's office uh, considers Rancho and the contract that we have uh, extremely important. Uh, and I like to think that I'm not sure how I got a job here, but I think generally speaking, we get the best and the brightest that the sheriff's office has yeah. to offer um, with maybe me and Jose being the exception. Yeah. But, <laughs> I but I mean, that. it's a it's definitely a priority for the sheriff's office. It always has been um, staffing wise. And that's why a lot of officers want to come work out here, because the work environment is so good. Um, the staffing is typically um fairly good, even though, I, like I've said, that's a challenge everywhere right now all across the country in law enforcement. But um, yeah, I think it's a high priority. Right. That was one of the things the chief said. That was one of his priorities is recruitment. That's, that oh, is. yeah. Oh, yeah. In general. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we just got through almost two years of COVID, the pandemic. And I would think that that proved challenging at a time of lockdowns of social distancing for what you had to do. How did you adapt? Could you continue with any type of programming or did you suspend everything? Uh, so 
most of our, all of our in-person, obviously, um, activities were suspended, but we were able to partner uh, with a couple of different agencies providing um, online uh, programming, so some mentoring classes, uh, some skills in uh, arts and crafts, and we did like reading um, to uh, the kids, and so there were just some basic programming that we were able to provide. We were able to still kind of do a modified um, Christmas in Cordova, where we were able to just provide a drive-through experience. So still providing, you know, over 1,200 kids with toys, and they were just basically would come through uh, City Hall, and then we would just deliver the toys via the car with the mask and gloves. Right. And so it was a different time, but we right. were able still to reach out and keep in communication with our with our community. So, so yeah. you provide toys at Christmas and things? Uh, yeah, so that's one of our other uh, major, our staples in our program is called Christmas in Cordova, where we'll uh, sign up up to, you know, this year uh, we've had kind of like a flip where we have lower number of families, but higher number of kids, so over 800 kids. Uh, so this year we'll be serving, uh, and so we try our best to provide um as close as we can get to their wish list, uh, yeah. obviously money. Uh, we right. do, <laughs> or you know, iPhones and computers right, are, right. are kind of a little bit out of our right. um, arena. But you know, providing uh, at least the kids two uh, to three toys, and so um, and that's through just uh, you know. Do you um, partner with individual like Walmart, for instance? Or? Uh, yeah, so what we'll do is uh, we have like a shopping uh, day okay. with uh, at Target. Um, which uh, our holiday star, which will serve like another, uh, you know, 50, 60 kids where we'll take them on a shopping spree. Majority of the toys are uh, received through donations and uh, our toy drives. Okay. And so, yeah. So that's a good lead into some of the other events that you provide, PAL. What are some of the events? What are the highlight events? What are the big ones? We'll start with the big ones. So the big ones, uh, Junior Giants, obviously. That's, so what uh, is that? Uh, so that is our um, free baseball program. So that is for kids five years old to 13, uh -huh. um, free of charge. That's conducted in the summer. So for two months, June and July, um, we they practice and then play one game on Saturdays. And so uh, that averages between, in our high years, uh, 380 kids. And this past year, uh, post-COVID, we were at almost 300. So we're, we're coming back. And then, again, we have uh, Kids Day in the park where we do a um, bike giveaway, right. 100 bikes. Now that one I did see this, and you took over most of the park. Well, and it yeah. seemed that every police car in Rancho was there that day. There was several police cars well, there. Yeah, and it's such a big community event. Right. Uh, that is a, a, a like one of our big opportunities for us to, as officers, communicate right. and then- Right, there was uh, a lot know, of people. And the, then all the bikes that I saw, those were all the donated bikes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Where'd you get those from? Uh, just, um, we work with our uh, Sheriff's Toy Project okay. for a majority of the bikes. And so they um, have always been a wonderful resource and partner for us for the bikes and then just general donations from the community. And what other? So uh, and got... then, um, so we also have our, our Outdoor Adventure Club, which is uh, amazing. So we take kids on uh, hikes and horseback riding. We take them kayaking, um, rock climbing. Uh, Billy give them an experience that uh, you know they haven't had within like the city uh, and so uh, that and then our Christmas programs so we do have like Holiday Star where we take those kids shopping and then um, Christmas in Cordova where we do our big toy giveaway right. and then our holiday run which is in that same time um, that we have for the right. community 
And Rich, do you take kids out of the area? Do they go? Do you go on expeditions? Yeah, the pro- and one of the programs that Jose just mentioned, our Outdoor Adventure Club, is really geared towards that. And that's a program that we just started kind of on the tail end of COVID, really, the last 18 months. Uh, and it's been hugely successful. And what that program uh, is designed to do is really get kids um, outside and out of our own community. So we've, um, we go camping, we go hiking, we've gone horseback riding, uh, paddle boarding, uh, we've all kinds of things like that. And that program was specifically designed to t- really take kids who don't have access to that kind of outdoor experience um, out to do that. And that was one of um, one of my passions when I came to PAL was starting that program just because I enjoyed that in my youth so much um, that that was something that I really wanted to make sure that we provided as a team. And uh, we currently uh, typically serve 10 to 15 kids on each one of those trips, uh, but we're looking to expand that uh, to more. We're, we're having issues with Supply chains, just like everyone else, and we've been waiting on additional transportation. Are these day trips or uh, overnight Many trips? of them are, and some of the camping trips are, are typically overnight. overnight. Yeah. So how uh, many of you guys go to those? Uh, we will typically have three to four staff members yeah. go on each one of those, depending right. on right. what we're doing and where we're going. Um, certainly the camping is a little bit more. Our ratios kind of go up a little bit. Um, some of the day trips, you know, we'll have um, two to three right. people that go with them. Okay. Yeah. So most of the events that I've noticed with Powell are outdoor events, sports, hiking, as you said, horseback. There aren't that many sort of more academic type events. So in the interest of fair disclosure here, we're going to be working with you, um, the film office, to do the program um, where we will um, show the kids and teach the kids how to make public service announcements from concept to delivery. So they'll come up with them and we'll get them all the way through to the end. Is that something that you think you would expand on to do more academic types? Because I, I should imagine that there are some kids that are not really the outdoorsy types, right? Or the sports types. So would that exclude them if that's all you have is sports? Would that exclude them? Yeah, so we do have um, we do have programs that we partner with other people typically for some of the academic stuff. Okay. So we do have some STEM programs that okay. we are involved in. Uh, that we uh, we as police officers, you know, necessarily don't provide. I so most. STEM, I'm, what is a STEM program? Uh, okay. Science, tech, technology, mm-hmm. engineering, and okay. math uh, is what that stands for. And, and going into the youth center, that's programming that we will be expanding upon and um, partnering with other community groups that are out there that provide that. And then we also do provide um, some mentorship programs. Youth Leadership Council is a huge mentorship program that we run, and it's also one of our more popular programs uh, that's more of kind of an indoor activity. But no film-related or theater-type programs? I don't know if we've ever done uh, not a film-related one. I don't think we've ever I think ever this is our like first – this yeah. is our – with yeah. you, Charles, this is our yeah. first yeah. one. So theater, we're excited about yeah. that. I don't think we had like um... – a, a partner like present that like offering as uh, Lieutenant Meredith said we just conducted um, a whole month long um, STEM program right. that we conducted at City Hall right. uh, that covered uh, everything from right, coding right. and engineering and so that's the type of programs with given uh, our new youth center right. is what we're really going to like incorporate a more so well-rounded 
So the youth center in Rancho Cordova is about to open, and I know you're definitely excited about it. It's this week, right? Uh, yes, on the yeah. third Thursday. Yeah. yeah, I was going to go, but we have to be in L.A. All of us have to go to L.A. for a big sort of film. It's called AFM thing, so oh, we, okay. can't, we can't make it. But tell us about the youth center. Well, uh, I'll just say it's uh, been a passion of mine for some time yeah. now. So uh, starting probably even as far as six years ago, starting looking for building, knowing that Rancho Cordova does not have a designated place for like the youth um, that other cities may have. And right. so, and I knew that uh, given, you know, um, our impact on the community currently, that if we did have a base of operation, we would be able to kind of like take this uh, hope, to the right? yeah, yeah next level. And so, yeah, now we, um, a couple of years ago, uh, began talking with the church who owned the property, Center of Praise, and we're very fortunate that one of our SROs, um, Godfather, was the bishop. Oh, okay. And so they were in the process of actually selling the property, um, and we met uh, almost like a round table, you know, uh, members of the church and our chief, assistant chief, uh, and we, we met and talked. And, and they just gave you the building, And right? Yeah, they pretty much, uh, they nice voted, case. yeah. And uh, that kind of started the journey. Uh, and then here we are two years later uh, about to, uh, you know, cut the ribbon on this facility. So tell us, what is the youth center going to be? So it's a church, it's a big hall. What, what will so, be inside? Yeah, so this is uh, a partnership between... Uh, and just to just to clarify, the building was donated to the city, not specifically yeah, yeah, PAL. So this city, is yeah. definitely a Rancho Cordova right. Youth right. Center, um, but it's going to be operated by the Boys and Girls Club and us. So we're uh, excited about that partnership. And the city, of course, has invested a um, large sum of money in remodeling this right. building. So the building itself was an old church building. It had also been used as a school, I believe. Uh, throughout the years. Um, so we've really, this last year has really been about construction and remodeling and um, turning that into a usable youth center. And it's uh, quite uh, striking when you walk inside of it, having seen it, you know, from what it was a year ago to what it is now. So it opened, is it ready to go when it opens? Well, I think um, <coughs> there's still some things given the, like our, the chain of materials and construction that I think there's some maybe fine details that won't be uh, fully operational, um, but uh, for the majority of just the, the facilities, yes, we'll be able to start programming. Um, and so that's just uh, an exciting, just waiting for that to happen. So, um, yeah, I think we're going to be ready to program. I just think that, you know, from um, logistics and, you know, AV, and computers and all those kind of little details are going to have to get worked out. Right. Um, but, yeah, as far as, like, opening the doors and yeah. having kids participate in something, yes, we'll be ready to go. So in a moment, we'll take a quick break. But before, one last question. Can parents get involved with PAL, or is it primarily just the kids? Well, I think, um, yeah, I, I think the parents are the obviously, like, the uh, – the conduit, how we uh, reach the kids, but our programs are primarily focused on uh, the kids in the community. And so we do um, just from participation, like for example, Junior Giants, we do meet with the parents. And then uh, so 
there's like an all-encompassing, right? So if there are any issues, you know, we're always willing to, uh, you know, reach out to parents and, you know, guardians, grandparents. And so I think down the road, we will uh, be able to provide a program within the youth center that kind of specifically offers some resources to the adults and the parents uh, in the community. And there's always volunteer opportunities. Yeah. Uh, but we do... Uh, we have had parents that have wanted to go on some of those things, but we, we tend to find that, honestly, their kids do tend to thrive a little bit more when they're not there. Um, that's part of what, you know, we've had that experience with Outdoor Adventure Club specifically um, with one parent in particular that I can remember, um, and it was very valuable for uh, that kid to be able to get out on their own a little bit and kind of, you know, ex- spread their wings a little bit with maybe mom not always there. but. Right. We always have volunteer opportunities uh, outside of, you know, parents just going along with their kids for sure that are out there. My experience with my first experience with Powell was in Los Angeles with the Hollenbeck Youth Center, which is in East L.A. And the Hollenbeck police station was right next door. And I got involved with actors that I represent, high profile actors. And it was through a theater program. And the actors came in and they taught the kids how to act. And then we did a play. And but the police officers were very involved. But the kids that were there were there for different reasons. I think they were there as a last step to your previous job. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that some of the parents were not that enamored with the the cops that were working with the kids. Do you come across that where the parents are not that into you guys, but the kids, of course, are very different? Yeah, and uh, that is like probably one of the um, one of our side enjoyments is that you know. Eventually, when you were working with these kids, especially through Junior Giants, up to seven years, um, I think it also gives the parents right. like an opportunity to view to us yeah. and speak to us. And yeah, there have been several parents who yeah. are like, uh, you know, yeah. it, I think it pained them to bring them to come right. our PAL programs. Right. But I think uh, as like the kids kind of sustain, and I think that comes from it's mutual, right? We as uh, the law enforcement officers have to like be invested in that relationship. And I think as the parents kind of see that we are not, you know, that we're kids, we're parents, you know, and ourselves and that, you know, we're kind of like with that community, um, then they tend to maybe, I just say, um, hate us a little bit less. Than, yeah. And maybe hate's a strong word, but I do have parents who just did not like law right. enforcement, but just but through, for yeah, yeah, for the sake yeah. of the kids, right. you know, and to the kids realizing like, hey, you know, and and that's the parents' experience, right. and we can't negate that. Uh, however, no, I, I definitely saw that. In yeah, the, where they could yeah. like you know, and then they come back to say, okay, well, we can't group all of right. law enforcement in that hole, and so right. uh, we make it a point definitely, like, hey, come speak to us. You have right. a question? Right. Uh, we do. We want to create that relationship, right, from with the kid, but also like with the parent. And so, but now that you have the youth center, you you because where do you meet people now? Uh, so we work primarily with like the school districts, okay, um, and just through uh, social media, right? You know, but that's now our you'll biggest... have a base, yes. where people can come and talk to you. Absolutely, and, yeah. Well, we're speaking with Lieutenant Rich Meredith and Jose de la Cruz from the Rancho Cordova Police Department, who, along with others, run the Rancho Cordova Police Activities League. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll get to see how PAL works as far as funding and discuss the value a PAL chapter brings to its community. And we'll be right back. 
If I was to ask which of the following book publishing formats has the highest year-over-year -year growth in the last three years, audiobooks, paperback books, or ebooks, what would you say? If you chose audiobooks, you're absolutely correct. Unless you've been living in a cave for the last few years, you have experienced the advent of audio. Think about it. We listen to podcasts in our cars and at the gym. Portable, high-quality Bluetooth speakers are abundant, and everyone is listening to audiobooks. As a matter of fact, almost half of all Americans listened to an audiobook last year, and the audiobook market is worth nearly $3.5 billion. If you're an author and you've wondered or thought about producing an audiobook for a book you have written and published, here at the California Capitol Film Office, we can make that happen. With a newly developed sound booth and experienced sound engineers, we can help you develop your book into audio. So give us a call and let us help you bring your written book to life. For a quote or a consultation, call us at 916-706-2000. That's 916-706-2000. And now, back to the show. And we're back with Lieutenant Meredith and Officer De La Cruz from the Sacramento County Sheriff's Office, the Rancho Cordova Police Department. Gentlemen, thank you for being here. So, Rich, how is a PAL chapter funded? Where, where does the money come from? So uh, it depends on the chapter, to be honest with right. you. I think Jose kind of touched on it earlier that each chapter is really run individually, uh, and there's several different ways that you can fund it. Um, so we are very lucky here in Rancho Cordova. We have huge support from our city, from our mayor and our council members. Um, so here in Rancho Cordova specifically, the funding a lot the funding is provided for the officers directly through the city, right? Uh, so they provide us with that that three full time staff members that we talked about, and then so they're on the city budget. Yep. Okay. Yeah, they're funded just like really every other officer at Rancho right. PD is funded. You know, we're in just a slightly different, right. you know, right. pot of money through the city, city. through the police department. Okay. Now, as far as programming goes, um, it really depends on the specific program. So we have multiple sources for funding for our programs. One our big source is donations, right? So we're a nonprofit organization. So we have um, a lot of support from local businesses. Um, local community leaders and just folks that live here um, that constantly donate toys and money or other things that we need. And then uh, we also have um, grants that we apply for. So we apply some when we have a specific program that we want to open up and Outdoor Adventure Club is a perfect example. That money came from Mazer H funding through the city. So we like a lot of other nonprofits and I think you, you guys as well, right? right? So we apply for some of that Mazer H money. Um, when we start these specific, specific programming. Um, and a lot of uh, what we do, too, is also we partner with other organizations, right? So we might not have to provide – if we can get a business in the community to provide us with a service, then we don't have to spend a lot of money doing it. Um, so we have a great martial arts program that's running right now, uh, and that's one of those examples of something where – Yes, there is some money that's needed, but because that service is being provided for us for free, uh, that it's very minimal. So that allows us to really uh, expand our reach and run more programs than we would necessarily be able to that if we had to fund everything directly. 
And the program that we're doing, the uh, PSA program, was through Measure Age. Yes. The community enhancement. Community enhancement the city of Rancho Cordova. Is City Hall supportive? Like, do you do? You, oh like, yes. Do you talk to City Hall? Who do you talk to? Oh yeah. To? The city uh, I talk office? to everybody, anybody we need to over there. Yeah. So we have a great relationship with uh, so many people over there, and every, and everything we do here is really in Rancho is relationship based. Right. Um, and Jose kind of undersold himself a little bit earlier when we were discussing those relationship with parents. I just want to mention to him that that's. Um, He's changed a lot of minds yeah. because he has been the face of Powell for so long. Right. And when they constantly see him and they realize that, hey, Jose's not just a police officer, no. he's Jose. Well, you look like an ordinary. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. You show up, yeah. 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 you don't look like a cop. <laughs> right, right. And I think that's part of, uh, you know, that the initial, right, that, that impression is, hey, I'm just, you know, just like you. because, yeah, I work for the police right. department, you know. Um, I can. I'm just a regular person, right? And so, yeah, it's very effective. And and like uh, Lieutenant Meredith said, is you know the city has been very supportive of our efforts uh, from the beginning. Right. We've had members of uh, city council be on our board. Um, you know, Cyrus, the city manager. Um, you know, our media relationships teams. I mean, the, they have because they, they promote a lot of right. our events and yes. um, community council. And so, uh, we have been very fortunate. And I think the city. Um, this city in particular uh, has is wonderful in uh, how it supports, you know, what, from within, uh, from the community members to other organizations within the city, and then city, like the government itself. Um, so it's been it's a been a great experience. Well, being involved with the city as I am, and I live in Palm Springs, and I I've lived there for a long time, although I live here mostly. So I'm very familiar with the city of Palm Springs, which is a very well-run city, but Rancho Cordova is a very well-run city, from City Hall to the police department to all the programs that are put on. It's it's definitely a unique city. It, 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 uh, it very much is, and I'll have to share that I experienced the same thing. I've only been in Rancho for five years now, really, on and off, so I'm semi-new to it, and that was one of the things that really... Uh, surprised me is how well they run things here and how much community support they have um and we're so we're very lucky to have the relationship that we do with the city uh and the staff that's over there right. um, and jose kind of touched on it the city manager uh has been a huge supporter all the council members maria canistead and ashley downton over at our communications team right. um, has done wonderful things for us and uh, and just you know we could not do what we do without the, right. their support no i agree how do you decide on the events year on year that you're going to offer? How is that decided? Is that you? Is it a collective thing? So yeah, how think, does that yeah, come Yeah, I up? think it is um, a collective. Uh, uh, the majority of, like, we've – I think our success has been um, based on knowing your limits, yeah. right? So you create four or five programs that are sustainable, that are well-received, and then – you just expand on those, right? And so you make a great program better versus doing eight to 12 programs where now you start to kind of, the service starts to diminish, right. not because of just, you're just spread too thin. So we've been, um, our model has always been, we're, we're particular as to how we grow. And so the programs that we can uh, sustain, and, and we talked about Outdoor Adventure Club, uh, which is like one of those where, you know, there's a need uh, for those kids to get outside of the city. Uh, and so being particular as to how we can, you know, 
manage that uh, just through logistics as well as just manpower. Um, but yeah, we kind of just collectively yeah. kick around ideas or somebody may, or a, a program may, you know, come to us and we're like, well, maybe we can do that right. if we can partner. So quality you know, so, over. Well, oh, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. yeah. And partnerships as well. I would I would say that partnerships has become a huge thing for us, you know. So we have a lot of core programming that we personally specifically provide, but partnering with uh, other community groups like you uh, and I, there's, I mean, we have, we've really been able to expand our programming because of those partnerships. So the next question is, um, it, it answers itself because you have 3,000 kids that pop, but how do you get the words out to to the families, how, how do you do that? And obviously you do it very well. If you have, in Rancho Cordova with a population of 80,000, you have 3,000 kids. I mean, that's you know, um, Yeah, I would say a, a lot of it is, um, you know, word of mouth. I think when you have a program that kind of speaks for itself and there's uh, longevity and the people who are participating in it and running it and supporting it are um, fully involved I think, uh, especially like our Junior Giants program is generational. You can go from, you know, six to 13. Um, you know, our Youth Leadership Council, uh, we don't even recruit for that any longer because those kids will go and seek out friends who are like-minded, who know the type of the student and, and person that we're looking for. And so they recruit uh, for us, wow. you know, uh, and so they know uh, the type of person that we need in our leadership uh, council. Um, and I think just being here for so long, right? Right? You know where you can, You're known. And, and people, yeah. you know, um, know that okay, this is not like a fly by night. We've we've um, been a staple here in the community, which we're very proud of our work. And you know, once you get it out, then uh, people just are just anticipating, you know, our programs. Right. And so, yeah, once we put it out there, um, you know, the, the the kids will show up. So do the resource officers recruit for you or no? Oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah. our um, yeah, our, our SROs on campus, mm -hmm. absolutely. Is uh, Jason an SRO? <laughs> he was yeah. until he became on. Uh, on yeah. With you, yeah. yeah. Now, I've heard that the Rancho Cordova Pal has one of the best junior baseball teams in California. And I've also heard that you, Jose, are instrumental <laughs> in that. So, first of all, is that true? Um, it is true. So Junior Giants in general has 90 leagues right. from Nevada, Oregon, California. Uh, and in <clears throat> 2019, we were designated a, a diamond status, which is the highest uh, level that you can reach. And so um, that's comprised of, you know, many factors. Um, but, yeah, we received that designation in 2019, which is one of our goals. And so I can say, yes, that there are only – a handful um, of leagues. And how does that happen? You play others? <clears throat> yeah, so uh, basically it's, um, they, they base it on retention, uh, cost of programming, and then satisfaction. So they um, have a team that goes out and interviews everyone that participates. They look at how many kids that we started with, how many kids that we end with, because that's, you know, part of like uh, your program and so we've always grown but yeah so the whole it's it just a um system that they created and so uh if you our acceptance rate well our retention rate was 98 percent uh our satisfaction rate was 96 percent and so um then how we run the league 
uh, was also um, one of the highest that they've had. Um, And so we were very proud of that because, again, it's a testament to the community, right? And so, yeah, and then a couple of years ago, they inducted me into the Hall of Fame. And as the boss, the lieutenant in charge, that must make you feel good. That's Absolutely. Good I'm you, very, right? very proud of the programming. Yeah. yeah. And um, I can't take any credit for that at all. That right. is really Jose's show, Junior right. Giants. Uh, I, our whole team participates. Don't right, right. misunderstand me. But um, Jose is the face of Junior Giants, and, and I'm sure probably always will be. Uh, and he's done an incredible job. Like he said, that is really one of our premier programs. It's one of our most successful. Uh, You know, we serve typically 400-plus kids a year in that, uh, and that success is um, specifically because of his hard work. Uh, I'm sorry. I just want to give a shout-out that that just – I don't think we clarified that that program is uh, affiliated with the San Francisco Giants. Oh, it is? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so the kids also get the opportunity at the end of the year um, to go down to the field wow. uh, themselves. And you. Yeah. And Jose. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. they so, so it's the San Francisco Giants that inducted Jose into the Hall oh, of Fame, okay. I believe, yeah. two years yeah. ago. Yeah. And that's a huge accomplishment, huge accomplishment for him. And who's the coach of the baseball team? You? Uh, so I'm like the commissioner. Yeah. So I run the league. Right. Recruit um, coaches and volunteers. Yeah. yeah. So. So now we get to what PAL provides the community. So do you, how do you think that the activities that you provide helps form the relationships with the police department in general? Yeah, I think that what it does is it puts a human face on law enforcement, right. you know, kind of humanizing the badge, so to speak. Um, but, I mean, that's, you know, certainly one of the goals of our programs, but... Uh, really, and I'll, I'll quote uh, retired Chief Chris Pittman on this one, this is also a crime prevention program, in my opinion. And in fact, it's probably one of the most important crime prevention programs I think we have in Rancho Cordova because uh, we know, statistically speaking, by the time that our crime suppression unit has to chase them down the street, we've already lost that battle. Right. Um, so if we can catch people on the front end um, and invest that time and money in them uh, to put them on the right track, I mean, that's... To me, that's really what this program is about, right? Um, and then I think a, an ancillary benefit from running these programs is that people do get to see the human side of the police department. You know, we're kind of uh, the de facto PR team, I think, over at the police department. We're kind of the face of the police department because we are at all the big city events. Um, so I think that uh, those relationships uh, – are, are very important and we're, and we're a small enough community that we can have those relationships, right. you know? Um, and it's incredible, uh, how quickly that can happen, uh, here in, in this town, just because of the way that people are. I mean, this is, there's a huge amount of community support here that I've really, I've honestly, I've never seen in any of the government uh, right. agencies that I've been involved with. So that's, that's uh, something I, that I benefits us. I would definitely us. say that the police are very supported in Rancho Cordova. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jose, um, one of the things I saw with Harlan Becker was the intervention that the police would have with youth at risk, if we're going to call them youth mm-hmm. at risk. Um, so you have a kid. He's 13, 14, 15. And all of a sudden, kids being kids, humans being humans, he finds himself on the other side of the law, the police. Do they do, like, they'll interact with a police officer on the street. Do they come to you and say, hey, you know, we picked up Fred. Like, do you then 
intervene? Yeah, so we do have um, you know, a variety of, of ways that kids come to us, and that is one where uh, I've had patrol officers call me and say, hey, I have this kid, you know, he's I think a he's kid. a good kid, yeah. but just <clears throat> he needs a change. Right. His environment, his and situation, his involved. friends, yeah. yeah. And they're like, what do you think? And I was like, hey, let me give me his number. Uh, so a conversation or have him come to this event, uh, which leads to, you know, obviously there's always that apprehension for that youth um, initially. But I think as they um, come and they're like, oh, it's not that bad. Right. And once you get them in an environment outside <clears throat> of their home situation or living situation, apartments or neighborhoods, then they tend to kind of like release. And then they could be kind of, you know, that kid, because I tell people, you know, who some may not value like see the value um in our work is like kids aren't born bad you have to realize that right like every kid is good right and all you have to do is it, it's a little bit more work maybe with some right. of the youth that we work with but they're all like innately like good they all want to be supported and sometimes we offer that right that relationship and so it's very important for us to get to, you know, all well-rounded, um, the community that we serve. And so it's, uh, you know, those relationships, you know, we've had kids that come through our program that are now deputies in our department. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's the kind of like legacy we right. want to leave. It's not, you know, me, it's not any, it's like the relationship, right. Where they felt supported. <clears throat> it was an opportunity for them to do something different. Right. And then they had officers or staff that were invested in that process. And so we're proud of that process. So this is a question for both of you, but I think different answers because one will come from you and one will come from, from the police. <laughs> <laughs> so as police officers, when you're working with the kids in the community that you serve, at, in, as PAL or, what, or whatever, what values or knowledge do you hope to instill in them? And we'll start with Jose. I, when I just um, speak to youth, uh, I just say, listen, your word is, um, you know, what defines you. And so you have to have, you have to be honest. That's the, at the core. And relationships. You're going to have a boss, at whether it's your job at home. And I go, how you handle that. So, you know, people who provide directions to you are not doing it, um, you know, to make your life worse it's to make your life better and so for me I just really try to instill in them is self-esteem to be honest and to work hard you know nothing is easy um, that you always have to work but it's your effort you know and I always tell them kids the only thing that you can control is your effort and your attitude so we can help right. to change that because if we're dealing with those youth now as lieutenant said um, you know the better people we can make them Younger is, you know, we know for a fact that the majority of our kids will stay in Rancho Cordova. So if we can get them early and right. often, um, they're going to become, you know, better citizens and hopefully make better decisions. And uh, majority of our kids do. Right. Um, so I can just say from personally in my experience, I have yet uh, to arrest one of my kids that I've, you know, come in contact with during um, you have not. my time. No. I have not. No, so, okay. you That's know, people good. ask me, how do you know it works? Well, you yeah. know, like statistically, I don't know, right. like, but I can tell you, being in the city as long as right, I have, right. I have not put handcuffs on any one of my kids. Wow. So. And then from a senior level and the police department perspective, what, what, what do they hope to achieve? Or is it the same thing? 
I think it's the same thing. I think there's also an aspect of we want kids to understand um, the appropriate way to deal with law enforcement as well. So we also run some programming that we didn't talk about that uh, is specific to that. You know, what do you do when a police officer stops you? How do you interact with a police officer? Um, What happens if something has gone wrong when you've interacted with a police officer? So you do talk to them about that? We do talk to them about that. Yeah. So. Uh, because that's important, right? I mean, that's a safety issue, uh, not only for law enforcement, but for kids to understand, you know, hey, there's an appropriate way um, to deal with police officers. And that also there's an ex- you have the right to have an expectation to be treated a certain way. And if and if you're not, then there's a procedure for that as well. Um, and I, of course, I'm forgetting the name of the program. Uh, that we've run a couple times. Do you, oh, it's called t- Why'd You Stop Me? There you go. Why'd You Why'd Stop you Me? Stop I'm me. sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and that's uh, that's a program that is not only um, has two two paths. So there's a, a class for kids on that, and then there's a class for law enforcement officers on that. That is uh, specifically designed to uh, help officers, you know, kind of reprogram on how they deal with kids and and I think kind of people in general. Right? It's a great class. I've been to both of them, uh, and it's worthwhile for everybody involved. Jose, have you come across a kid? That was a bad kid. You get hold of him, and now he's a good kid and has gone on to be a good person. I I think um, it's so uh, it's kind of a difficult question for me. Is uh, but uh, yeah, I have had kids who were um, less agreeable to what we were doing, um, but would just hang around. Uh, and then uh, the good thing about our program and the offerings that we have is like we know not every kid is going to go to a four-year university. We know every kid may not go to a junior college. Uh, they may be, you know, more versed to just, like, employment and getting. But, yeah, I've had had one um, in particular where, you know, I wasn't uh, – I think he was waiting for me to give up on him, you know, like tell him to, you know, shove off. And I'm like, nope, you keep on coming back. No, you can – you know, you don't have to participate. But, yeah. And then eventually um, – just kind of through and then after high school, because oftentimes that's what we do too. is kids still can communicate with us and found out that he did just chose to get into a trade. Um, And then I see him every once in a while and still doing good. You see them. One of those kids. Yeah. One of those kids where I thought for sure was going to end up in jail. Yeah. And, um, you know, I I think it's just uh, those are the opportunities. They're, They're they don't happen very often, but those are like the, the victories that you right. kind of like are we as a program hang our hat on, right. you know, because there's those good kids that are going to be, you know, deputies that are going to be uh, in college and universities and they're going to have great positions. And um, we just want to give them that opportunity because like any program, like I'm sure Hollenbeck, where they may have had an actor come out of there. Uh, we want, you know, to produce those great kids right. and then better adults that say, hey. You know, I started in Rancho Cordova Pal, and uh, if it wasn't for them, right. who knows where it would have been, and then, you know, they can. So on a serious note, here's something that I would imagine happens. So now the police does something. You see it on television. Now it doesn't matter, right? A cop does anything, and it's huge news. Um, George Floyd, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the kids are sitting at home, they see all this, they see all the negativity towards the police. They must come to you. Do they come to you and say, well, look, look what you guys did to so-and-so? Or do, does that happen? 
Yeah, it does. Uh, we've yeah. had, I, you know, I specifically in a leadership position have had to answer some of those questions over the last couple of years. Because and how do you answer them? Very delicately. Yeah. Um, I think that you have to explain to kids a couple of different things. Um, first of all, I think that, you know, they have a right to be uh, treated like a human being by a police officer. Um, but I also explain to them that the best thing that they can do if they are in a situation with a police officer is to just cooperate, right. regardless of whether they feel they're being wronged or not. Uh, and that's why it's important to explain that process to them of how to deal with it on the back end. If you go through an experience with a law enforcement officer and you feel that you were not treated properly or that you were wronged in some way, that there is a process that does work um, that you can do. And the and the thing that you I don't recommend that you do is resist or be uncooperative in that process because um, that is often what leads to some of those things. Um, and, um, and, and police officers are human beings too. You have right. to explain that to them that um, police do do, they do do wrong things right. sometimes. You just, you can't, uh, and it's not to be tolerated and it's not something that we tolerate here. Um, but it can, it can be difficult to answer those questions. Yeah. And I also tell them that, you know, don't believe everything you read in the media, right? right? Because um, some of that is also not correct. Um, and some of it's perception, right? Or, or sometimes it's numbers that are skewed. But I, I, I try to focus on really what they, because that's such a difficult question to answer, um, to focus on what they can personally do. Um, and that, that goes back to that kind of that procedure. But yeah, I mean, we've had, we've had it right here. So I've right. had to answer that questions. And because there was a high profile case here with a young kid, right? I mean, that was big news here in Rancho. So they must have come to you and said, hey, yeah. look what he did. <laughs> well, and I think that's, um, I think what Pal does in and, general. And by the way, I just, I'm not putting any blame on that incident, on the, on the cop involved, because who knows what really happened, right? right? I mean, someone pulls out a camera, it's at the end. You don't know what happened before. But they must, and just to interrupt, I no, didn't no. want you to think I was. No, no, and no, I, it was, no you were, I mean, you're correct, Charles. That was a high yeah. profile incident, and right. there were a mm -hmm. lot of questions about that. Uh, many of them we can't necessarily answer right. because we weren't involved with the investigation. No, no, but, no, but you're, the kids you're must right, come though. to you, though, and they must say, hey, if it was yeah. me, I'd say, look, no, yeah. you, know, you tell me this, that, and the other, but look what he did. Mm -hmm. and, and absolutely, um, <clears throat> and that's, I think, part of um, during that time period, pal, like, is able to create that still that relationship between those so still answering those questions and then just like attacking it from a global perspective and to say yes okay you've known me for x number of years right the way i you know it's experience it's um the situation at hand we don't know exactly what took place but Here's how we think we could have handled it better. Right. You know, I could have, as me as an officer, could have done this. You as, um, you know, a student could do this better. Right. And I think, uh, like Lieutenant Meredith said, it's more of like, hey, how can we uh, handle that situation better? Uh, I can't answer for that particular officer or the officer on the East Coast or the Midwest because I'm not in their shoes and I don't know the particular circumstances. Right. Um, but we are. As uh, Lieutenant said, we are human, and so we uh, can have the same fears and, um, you know, emotions as you do. And so if we're able to, like, again, go back to communicating a little bit better, 
um, a lot of these situations can be avoided. Right. So yeah, well, you got to answer the hard questions, right. or else you know they're not gonna. They'll be like, oh, Jose, you know, he's not telling us. No, right. yeah, I'm, I'm. I. So you're honest. Welcome that. Yeah, I welcome yeah. those questions because that's how we grow. Right. Right. And so that's how they get a little insight from right. our side, and then we kind of elicit our input to them. Well, that's why the education portion is so important, right? And that's one of the reasons we do run the Why You Stop Me program is because it gives them that. Uh, one of the pieces of that is to specifically get, give them the perspective of right. the officer, right? In fact, one of the programs also even involves a, uh, where they actually put those kids in the position of the police officer, mm-hmm. right, and allow them to make some of those decisions in a, in a simulation where it could be a use of force or, or even a shooting situation, right? So that's a very unique perspective for so those you, kids you that they that. go through. You, yeah. you put yep. them in that situation. Yeah, we Absolutely. did that. That's part uh, of the wow. program. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it was so it's like a interesting, play. yes. Yeah. And how are they like, and how did whoa, they? <laughs> we didn't think, <laughs> right, you know, right. we thought that they were going to put the axe down and that they would just listen to us. And then when we started getting hit with it, we're right. like, oh, we oh, got yeah. to do something. Wow, and okay. I'd say, you know, yeah, that is. Um, so those are the things that we have to decisions we make in split seconds. And that, you know, it gave those um, kids that participated in that program that almost, you know, that um, feeling. And they're like, wow, that uh, that was different, you know, being on this side. I always say, until you're in the shoes. Yeah. Well, it's both sides, too, right? And the the officer portion of that course is also designed to to do the same thing of the officer, right? Right. To put them in that situation of the kid, so. So as we come towards the end here, as we know, Rancho Cordova is one of the most diverse cities probably in the Sacramento region. Um, does this come with any challenges with the way you sort of adapt with the kids or the way you deal with them or are the kids not like the parents where the parents might be English isn't their first language, but the kids typically are. Right. 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 And I think um, that's the, the good thing about our program is um, if we don't know an answer to a particular question, uh, whether, you know, we have an influx of um, people coming into Rancho. Um, different ethnicities uh, and cultures. And so we try and work always uh, within, you know, we will go out to usually like someone from the school who is working with um, that group and say, hey, how can we better serve? How can we get our message out to them? Uh, so, but I think from a just the perspective of a youth, like that's the, the great thing about our program is like when you get a kid in a basketball, a kid in boxing, a kid in martial arts, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, having fun is having fun. Yeah. Uh, and I think when, you know, that second generation of youth, I think that's uh, where we get our opportunities to really make like a difference is uh, culturally like, hey, because it is it's a big transition for some of, you know, our immigrants that are coming, you know, Ukrainian, Afghani. Uh, and so um, we ha- we do we have to make some accommodations. Right. But I think from a kid is a kid. Right. Right. So right. they know, um, you know, what it is to have fun and, and experience you know opportunities and so yeah if there's a need we are always uh accommodating and, and if we don't know uh, how to access that we've gotten you know that's the benefit of having these relationships in the community so as we come to a close um a couple more questions so rich what does the rancho what does pal rancho pal need most in order to keep expanding services and events etc what do you need the most money Money. <laughs> and staffing. Always yeah, money. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, you know, um, 
dreams are great, but unfortunately dreams don't happen without some financial backers right. behind them. And our youth center is a perfect example of that, right. you know, um, and luckily the city has, um, came through for us on that. But, you know, as we, as we expand in the future, um, you know, we're probably going to need to add some additional staff. We did add a staff member, um, I guess about 18 months ago, uh, that that was, but, you know, as we continue to move into the youth center and things just get bigger and bigger, we're going to be civilian staff or police staff. You know, I think it might be a combination of both. Yeah. Right. Um, so we may need another civilian staff member. We may need another sworn staff member at some point. Um, and then of course, uh, you know, as the funding is always, uh, something that we're looking for to expand our programs and, and new partnerships. I mean, that's like, we've talked about, that's a huge thing for us is the partnership, uh, angle because it allows us to provide so much more service than we could ourselves. Um, so we'll need, you know, continuing to grow the great partnerships that we have. And, uh, this new partnership with boys and girls club, I already is going to, you know, we have, you know, we haven't actually got there, but we will in a couple of weeks. And we already know that that's going to bring a whole, so many other things to the right. table that we're going to have to have to adapt to and grow. So, um, yeah, I think those are kind of the things as we move forward, right. And continued community support. Um, we're very lucky to have not only community support, but, um, city support as right. well. So, so we're very lucky that this podcast, we're in like six or seven weeks now. It's, we're getting a lot of listeners thanks to the push out from the city and everybody. So if someone is listening today and they have never heard of PAL, they think, wow, I never even knew that existed. And that sounds like a great program. How can they help? How can they get involved? And what is the best way to do so? So I think the um, best way is uh, in this uh, day and age is we, we um, use social media yeah. primarily and through our website for information. And so um, people can go to rcpdpal.org um, and then they can find all of our social media challenge, uh, channels there. Uh, that's how we push out most of our programming um, because everyone has a cell phone. Uh, and um, so we're trying to just make it more convenient and then we're able to stay uh, more active and up to date through uh, social media. And then also, um, you know, we the city is so supportive in pushing out our programs and, and what we're doing. Um, but that is uh, and also um, we're in the process of establishing a whole, um, I guess, kind of like uh, page for Rancho Cordova Youth Center uh, on its own. And but so, um, someone wants to give you a hundred dollars. I'm sure they can. Oh well, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So they could um, just go to our website. And uh, we donate. have a donate yeah. button there. Okay. Yeah. And Rich, I'm a business guy, and I'm listening to this, and I have a company. What can I do? How can someone, an individual, obviously, you can give you a hundred dollars and volunteer, but how can a business help? Sure. So we're always looking for corporate sponsors, right? Mm -hmm. If you own a business um, and you can provide a service to the youth. Um, so there's lots of opportunity for that. You know, we've had um, businesses in our community provide martial arts services, um, coding services for computers, all kinds of different okay. things. So that's one way. And then, of course, financial support. You know, we have several businesses um, that provide us some um, pretty decent sized financial support, particularly around the holidays. That's right. a, a big donation time for us. So you can always um, you can even businesses can donate online. But um, a lot of those folks like to just write us a check. So send there's an email link on our website that you can reach um, our staff, Jose or Tina or Jason will respond to you and 
um, yeah, so if you're interested in donating, please feel free to reach right. out to us and, and we can talk about what kind of partnership we can have. Or there's also going to be, as we move into the youth center, there's going to be some sponsorship opportunities right. for some of the needs that we have there, yeah. right? So uh, there'll be specific needs for things as we move forward. Make compu- maybe it's computers, maybe it's a cover for our basketball court, you know, depending on the size of your donation that you're able to provide but there'll be some opportunities there too uh in this the next half of this new year as we come upon it so all donations gratefully accepted of course yes Yes. Yes. so jose you're about to retire from the police department after a long time yes so what happens to you and pal um i don't think uh, i can ever get pal out of my blood no. fully. So you'll so, still be involved? Yeah. yeah. And I think too... Um, Do you live in Rancho? Uh, no, I live in Sacramento. Okay. But uh, you're and local, yeah. yeah. And uh, I think it goes back to relationship building. Um, you know, I worked hard, my team, my, um, you know, all of my supervisors have, you know, given me this opportunity to, you know, so you develop this program. Involved. And so I want to yeah. uh, come back and yeah, it, it volunteer, and I think it's 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 given the new youth center. I think I need to just come back and right. like kind of make sure all the handoffs right, are right. created, and then people who I've worked with, you know, uh, throughout the years in the community, still know that uh, you know I'm involved uh, at some way, shape, or form. But yeah, it'll be tough to let go. But I think um, in order to you know, just to guide it. Um, and also just I want to see how, you know, it grows. And, and well, you're not letting it go. You're just going to not be yeah, a cop. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, Lieutenant, is there another officer destined to step in the shoes? Yeah. So Jason Kimbrell, who we've talked about before, right. will kind of become uh, what I like to call the new Jose. Right. Um, so he'll be stepping into that specific role and then we'll be um, You'll find another selecting officer an officer yeah. who will be uh, take Jason's role. Right. And he'll and that officer will be uh, specifically assigned to the youth center. That will be their kind of, you know, we all work together, of course, on every project, but that will be they'll be more focused on the youth center as their primary responsibility. So, yeah, so, you know, probably here in actually just a few days, we'll probably post that job announcement within the police department and hopefully we'll receive um, several applications and be able to select the best candidate. And finally, the question I'd like to ask you, and actually it came from someone here. Um, Is there a PAL participant that stands out over the years to either of you uh, that either did something exemplary or amazed you? in any way that you can highlight? I think it's, um, for me, in, in this position, there's been, like, several. So, like, we've had um, one gentleman, I'm going to say gentleman because he's in his 30s now, who started in our program when it began and is still volunteering um, in all of our events wow. and has maintained employment who's never been involved in law enforcement on that side um and who still lives in rancho and is pretty much a testament as to the success and we've had you know all americans in track and field that came from our pal program and uh, one female in particular uh, went to oberlin college and was an all-american and shot putting discus um you know we've had several of our uh, kids that are in uh, the military um, a couple of sergeants and then, like I mentioned, we have one that is actually a deputy sheriff 
um, with our department. Who was so, in PAL? Oh, uh, yeah, who was in PAL, yeah, one of our uh, original members. And so, so he's a young deputy? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And wow. um, he works. And was he inspired to join uh, the police department because of that? Yes, yeah. absolutely. And so those relationships, and um, we had to kind of went over his parents a little bit right. who were a little bit apprehensive about right. letting him, right. you know, become uh, involved in law enforcement. But, you know, he continued to volunteer, stayed with us, and then uh, upon graduation, you know, entered the academy and, uh, you know. Wow, very yeah, nice. Been in patrol. So I would imagine that's a good success story for you as a, as a senior officer within. Yeah, I think it's someone. a good success story for yeah. our organization, you know. I mean, um it's really the folks that are Jose and the rest of my team that are on the ground that are r really responsible for those successes. Um, as the president, I'm not nearly involved as they are right. in the day to day of the kid. I, you know, I was more as a supervisor when I directly supervised the team. Um, but the reality is, is um, they're the ones that are putting in the hard work every single day. And um, one of the kids that he's talking about, who's not a kid anymore, is a young man is Richie Mendoza. And I'm only giving him a shout out because he might listen to this and, uh, like Jose said, he was, you know, one of the original members founding, um, and he we've gotten to see him uh, move through and life and doing well. And he's, I mean, he is at every single PAL event, I mean, without fail. So um, we've had a lot of different success stories, but, uh, and I think we're going to have a lot more as we move into this next chapter with the Youth Center. Well, gentlemen, thank you. We've been speaking with Lieutenant Rich Meredith and Deputy Jose de la Cruz from the Rancho Cordova Police Department, two of the officers who work closely with the community in running and organizing the Rancho Cordova chapter of the Police Activities League. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having us. And uh, thank you for telling us about in such great detail and thank you for everything that you do for our community and Jose. I wish you the best with your retirement, and I'm sure we'll, we'll be seeing you. Yes, sir. Thank you. And thank you, Rich. Thank you, Charles. Appreciate you having us. Well, there you have it. Thank you for listening to the Rancho Cordova podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please follow us and leave us a review, and be sure to tell your friends. Also, please visit our website at www.ranchocordovapodcast.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions for future episodes, please send us a message via the website. And until next time, this is your host, Charles Lego.